Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and let's go right to the phone. And joining us, as he does every Saturday at 10 o'clock, one of our favorite contributors, Mr. Outdoors, hunting, fishing, you name it. He does it all. Nate Zolinski. Good morning, Nate. Terry, you, let's just record that and play that one every time. That was fantastic. <laughs> We've been good to you all year this year. You, you have. I, let's see how long the streak lasts. But uh, I like that. <laughs> I tell you, I, I try to live up to the name. I try to take advantage of every outdoor opportunity uh, you can possibly have. Uh, you know what? All kidding aside, Nate, you are a true well-rounded outdoorsman, you hunt, you fish, you, you pour yourself into it, and you're, that's why you're such a tremendous resource to the show, even if most of the time I give you a hard time. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I know we're going to talk ice fishing, Nate, and I don't want to get off on a political topic right now, but uh, people need to be aware of the mountain lion thing, don't they? Absolutely, Terry. You know, it's one of these things that we, we don't talk about that much. I try not to use any power of our, you know, persuasion. We want people to kind of, you know, educate themselves and make, you know, good decisions with that. But predators in Colorado is a serious thing. Uh, I mean, our bear population is skyrocketing. Our lion population is skyrocketing. We have wolves. Um, I mean, there's just a lot of it out there. And it's so awesome to be in a state with such a thriving elk and deer population. And I don't think anybody realizes, especially on the lion side of things, how, I don't want to say devastating, but how good of a hunter a lion is. Uh, for somebody who has, you know, big game hounds, uh, I do a lot of mountain lion hunting. Uh, I have hounds. Uh, I'm very involved in the lion sport. And it's unbelievable when you actually start looking for them, start understanding them, and you really get into the lion world, how many lions we have here in Colorado. The population is thriving, and without the, the various use and techniques of hunting them, they are very hard to hunt, and really controlling that population is a major part of conservation. You think about an animal uh, that is harvesting a deer-sized animal. So the average lion is harvesting a deer-sized animal uh, on average every 4.3 days was the last uh, you know U.S. Fish and Wildlife survey uh, that was done here. And a lot, a lot of people know that stat. So you talk about a hunter who is unbelievably successful, and it's not that the lion know which animals to go for. You know, people talk about this, they say, oh, our deer population is thriving, it's not a big deal, but if you look at the average lion kill, you can approach, or a lion, I should say, can approach a group of does, and there's 10, 15 eyes, and it's hard for the lion to hunt, but all of a sudden, you know, in a post-rut situation in winter, like it is right now, all of these big bucks are worn down, they're tired, they've been rutting hard, and they're alone. Uh, so that's usually the animal these lions are, are deprivating on, so it's unbelievable how how these lions are, are having a major impact on the mature bucks, the breeding animals. And uh, again, it's just passion. I, I encourage everybody, I'm not telling you what to do, just educate yourself on it. And, and whether you agree or disagree with certain things, you have to look at the big picture in these regards of, of conservation uh, and what needs to happen with our population management, for sure. I, I, I couldn't agree more, Nate. So let's, let's switch up now. Ice fishing, um, things are actually stabilizing both the mountains and the front range. All obviously conditions are going to change as we get snow and on and off again weather. But what are you seeing out there right now? 
Yeah, Terry, we got a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, the mountains are, are strengthening up, which is good. Uh, you know, the whole Granby area, they have a major tournament coming up next weekend. We have our ice addiction event at Grand Lake, and it was, Terry. It was uh, slow-forming ice up in like that area, in that middle park area. Then we had snow on top of it, which slows things down. But we're finally getting some really good ice in, in, in that Granby, Grand Lake, Shadow Mountain area, so we're excited about that. Uh, and then the South Park lakes are very strong, so very good ice, very good condition. So all the mountains now are pretty much good to go to where even though we were decent in the last couple weeks uh we're getting a lot safer just a lot better conditions up there so we're excited about that then probably the biggest thing that my phone is blowing up on the most the biggest questions we're getting is the front range ice and obviously you know so many anglers you know whether it's for the availability of being close to home whether it's the opportunity at some walleyes but the chatfield cherry creek fisheries a lot of anglers want to take advantage of that um and those ice conditions are stable now with it anytime we're looking at the front range it's one of those things that it, it's iffy and even on a great winter you still got to watch the front range we have a ton of water flowing into these bodies of water you have you know various weather it's just one of those things that doesn't grow a ton of ice so right now chatfield cherry creek there are anglers on these bodies of water um the ice thicknesses do vary N- neither one of these fisheries froze at the same time so you have conditions still on these lakes that you have, you know, three to four inches of ice in some areas and six to even seven inches in other places. So, you know, checking the ice frequently, carrying the spud bar. I know we keep ranting about safety, but the front range definitely has not had any major cold fronts to where it's really locked things up to where you can, you know, start being a, a little more, you know, careless when walking. Uh, with the current condition, you have to be on top of it. But the walleye bite is strong. The bass bite is strong. We're catching a ton of rainbows. Uh, and even some panfish, perch, and crappie. So the bite on the front range is good. Uh, actually, just off the phone with Dustin Sigler. He's been out there yesterday, today, tomorrow, uh, and he is just pounding on some walleye. So the conditions are good. Um, with that, one of the things I do want to encourage anglers to, to use caution with, they are adding quite a bit of water to Chatfield. So Chatfield has quite a bit of water coming into it. So the water is rising. So anytime we have hot, sunny days, your shoreline is the first to go. When you add rising water, it, it definitely affects that so right now at Chatfield you know we have good ice on the body of water but those shorelines get a little soft so use caution as you you know approach and get onto the ice um, you know wearing muck boots type thing to get to that first you know six seven feet of the ice uh, and then you're on that good ice so use caution there with the rising water though we have high oxygen levels which is great for fishing and we also have some stained water which a lot of anglers hear the word stained water and they immediately kind of you know say oh that let's not go there but when you talk about extremely picky walleyes in the winter which everybody will agree a walleye is finicky they're just hard to catch they're easy to find just a little bit harder to coax into taking the bait When you have a little bit of stained water and you start using blade baits and lipless crankbaits and rattle baits, um, these fish are are a lot easier, in my opinion, to catch in that dirty water. So uh, some anglers are complaining about the dirtier water at Chapel as they they put some water into it. I love it. High oxygen, stained water. I think it's easier to catch these fish. So so we're excited about that. And then Cherry Creek is very stable in those regards as well. Yeah, you know, a couple points I want to get back to, too, that really, first of all, you mentioned walleye t- time and technique. I'll get back to, back to that in just a minute. But we always talk about first ice and last ice. And I was having the same conversation with some people up in the mountains earlier in the show. And that's the fact that we always see good oxygen levels and really active fish at first ice. It's why it's one of the best times because 
you as the ice starts to freeze, you can't fish them by boat or shore, so the fish get not as pressured, less molested for quite a period of time. With what we've seen going on with the ice, the time it's taken to form this this season, I think we have a lot of fish that are very, haven't been pressured much. So I'm thinking we're almost like first ice conditions for this time of the year. Does that does that make sense? Is that what you're saying? It, it does, absolutely. I do agree with that. You know, and people don't realize how much angling pressure does put on the fish. I mean, these fish get used to it. They they see the presentation. They, they do somewhat get uh, get used to or, you know, seasoned to, to angling pressure. And with that lacking pressure and kind of how the ice is formed, uh, I agree. There is a lot of opportunity. The biggest thing I'm actually seeing that on is pike, uh, believe it or not. I know we keep talking about the front range and the late ice there, but the, the pike are probably one of the biggest fish that I see really losing interest around all that pressure. And so far, we're having a great pike season. I usually target pike you know, the first week of ice, and then I leave them alone pretty much until spring, and I hit them really hard in February, March, even in April. Uh, and so far, we have a really strong pike fight going on that is exactly what you said. It reminds me of early ice kind of carrying out throughout the winter because of the lack of pressure. So it's been exciting to see that for sure. Um, and we'll see what happens. You know, and everything affects this. You know, a lot of snow on the ice can kind of lower those oxygen levels and obviously angling pressure. And there's so much that, that affects these fish in the winter. Uh, but with it all being said, you know, right now things are good. Embrace it while it's good. Catch the fish, and, and time will tell what, uh, what what starts happening here. And the la- other question I had that went along with which was the front range walleyes. Now, typically, as you said, the walleyes, especially Chatfield and Cherry Creek, because they can have such big shad populations, there's so much to eat, that the walleyes can be picky and very time sensitive. So a lot of times it's twilight hours, it's very precise techniques with the walleyes are you seeing it just twilight hours is there a daytime bite and what type of techniques are you using to trigger them absolutely you know i would say it's still that that twilight hours it's still early in the morning later in the evening if i had to pick your key times it's 5 30 a.m to about 8 30 a.m and that's that peak window in the morning afternoons i'm trying to drill my holes by about 3 30 and i'm catching a fish till about 6 30 and those fish start to spin so Definitely those peak three, four hours in the morning and evening. As far as techniques, I mean, the fish are, are very open to quite a bit. I mean, spoons, your, your blade baits and all of that. But if I had to be very specific just to help all of our listeners out, if I was at Chatfield, I would fish spoons, which honestly is rare for me. If you, everybody that knows me, know I'm all about the jigging wraps, the blade baits. I'm more reaction. But right now, a, a wider wobbling spoon um, is probably my go-to technique. And you can honestly use things that are never designed as a jigging spoon. I mean, right now, like a daredevil-type spoon or, or a, you know, a flashy time spoon. Those are the spoons that are getting attention right now. So, you know, silvers, blues, a lot of color, a lot of metallics. Uh, but Chatfield, I am all about a spoon bite. I'm hitting bottom and I'm really focusing on that lower foot in the water column. That's been my key there. Cherry Creek is all about a glide bait. When we say glide baits, we're talking about jigging wraps, Kika minnows, um, more of that, that minnow style bait kind of hovers flat, swims in a circle. And the, probably the big thing at Cherry Creek that we're seeing is we're starting the fish on the bottom, but we're catching these fish all the way up to halfway up in the water column, um, which a lot of walleye anglers don't do. They don't take advantage of those suspended fish. So we're hitting bottom, jigging bottom. The walleyes come in. If they don't take the bait fairly quick, we are then working that bait, taking it away from them, making the fish engage, make the fish work a little bit, uh, and it creates that reaction, and that's what's producing those fish there. So Cherry Creek is about those glide baits, those minnow baits, 
But the biggest thing is do not be afraid to, to work these fish higher in the water column at creeks. Uh, again, it's been producing fish. So many people are used to these walleyes coming in, looking at the bait, and never taking it. Make the fish work for it. Create some reaction, you know, energy. Uh, and that's how we're catching those fish up in the water column there. Last thing, what are you seeing up in the Mo Mountains and any kokanee going on? You know, absolutely. The, the kokanee bite, we target them at 11 mile, and it is going good. Uh, I actually start here in about a week. I start doing the majority of my kokanee trips, but but we're doing good. Those fish seem to be gathered, and you've heard us talk about it, but with kokanee, you know, all of our fisheries have a decent kokanee population. You know, they kind of go up and down with the gill lice. Right now, 11 mile is sitting really strong with the gill lice. We're on a good population of kokanee, and on a bad winter, it's not that you don't have enough fish. It's that the fish spread out. Right now, those fish seem to be gathered up pretty hard feeding on, on plankton, uh, so it's going good. I'm targeting most of my fish in the main channel, and my key spots right now are kind of between the North Shore Marina and basically like Coyote Ridge. So it's pretty much center lake, uh, and that entire stretch right there, maybe three-quarters of a mile in the river channel, is where those kokanee are coming through. Uh, I'm doing it very traditional. So I'm using a jigging machine, which is creating a lot of flash, which you know basically looks like plankton. So those fish are coming into that jigging machine, but high, flashy baits. Those fish are about 15 to 45 feet below the surface, uh, over anywhere between like 55 and 80 feet of water. Uh, but, but those fish are coming through good. So if you're a kokanee angler, I definitely think a good option for these fish is hitting 11 mile right now. And the bite's been good. And the way that the plankton gather as everything stabilizes in the winter, that bite is good now, and it's only going to get better all the way up until we get into March. Last question before I have to let you go is sometimes we talk about the great bites and the big fish. We talk about Antero. We talk about 11 mile. What about something like carry all where maybe the average angler can go and have a little bit better chance of success? What do you see in there? Actually, you know, Carryall is fishing really good. Um, it has been getting quite a bit of pressure, but it is still good. It seems like the technique there is fishing very low in the water column and, you know, really moving the bait at a minimal stage. So very slower action on your jigging cadence, and that's catching those fish. But honestly, right now, 11 miles seems to be fishing very good. So out of Witcher's Cove is fishing very good. Right in the North Shore Marina at 11 mile. If I was just looking to get out and catch some fish, Carryall is usually my go-to, but right now I would probably send you over to 11 Mile. 11 Mile is producing a lot of just good fish, but probably the biggest thing of that is the fact that we're seeing some big fish moving through too. So not only are you catching a bunch of fish, but you get some big ones mixed in. So so we're very excited about that. And, you know, it's crazy, Dave. We're, we're here on the radio giving the fish report, and I see the a game-changing fish. Well, I'm at ice addiction here in Utah, uh, and this angler is hugging a giant trout coming to the scale. We're about to see a, a major turn of event uh, here at the event right now. It's pretty exciting when they're on the radio when that happens. <laughs> Uh, all right, we will let you go, but tell us how they can take a part in your events or book a trip. Absolutely. You know, you can jump on our website, tightlineoutdoors.com, and in between all of our events and guiding, uh, Dustin and Josh, uh, and, excuse me, and Josh uh, Sedevi, they are taking advantage of all the basically information on our guide trips on our Facebook page. I'm posting about all the events. we got a lot of stuff happening, but Tightline Outdoors on Facebook as well as the website. We'll get you dialed in. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you next week. Go check that fish. Thanks. All right. Uh, Nate Zielinski, always a great resource. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to change things up. And our dog trainer, Ben Garcia, is going to tell us the things you do training your dog as a puppy that come back to haunt you. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.
listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Locations up and down the Front Range. If you are an outdoor enthusiast, you owe it to yourself to check out Jack's. Let's go to the phones, and joining us from Hideaway Kennels is Ben Garcia. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing well. What a beautiful day it's turning out to be. I hope it is where you are. Where are you calling us from, down the eastern area? Uh, down in Colorado Springs today, so we uh, we uh, we have the fun advantage of some soccer games today. So we will be inside <laughs> watching our daughters play soccer. So it's one of those working dad weekends. Yeah, as you know, okay. and you've been there. So yeah, yeah. So, I, it, it would be fabulous to be out ice fishing, or what they were just talking about up at Eleven Mile right now. Though it'd be a great day for that for sure. Oh, so. just gorgeous! Just gorgeous. We get so many. Great days and good reasons to be outdoors in Colorado. I think that's one of the reasons we all love to live here. You know, with this change in weather and everything and with the holidays, a lot of people have gotten dogs. And you and I talked during the week and you said there's a lot of people that do things, especially when their dogs are puppies, that they they end up coming back to haunt them later on. Tell me about it. Well, yeah. I mean, like if I took all the phone calls and emails we got of people, you know, wanting to get their dog trained or or interested in it or having a problem, and and we really look at the problem, one of the main ones we get is is dogs bolting. You know, and you'll say, well, what are, you know, when the conversation will ask, like, where are they bolting to? And they'll say, well, they bolt to other people, they bolt to other dogs, and they don't listen to me when I say it. And and we're saying here, the dog doesn't recall. And you really start talking to me, like, well, what did you do when the dog was a puppy? And they say, well, if I saw another dog, I'd walk him over to the other dog and let him meet him. Or if I walk him over to another person, let him meet him. So ultimately what you're doing is setting up a pattern behavior. Hey, I see a strange dog. I'm going to run to it. Hey, I see the same strange person. I'm going to run to it. And you're just setting up a behavior for the dog to do that in the future that you're going to have to correct that you instead what you could do is teach them. Okay. We walk to some people. We walk away from some people. We walk to some dogs. We walk away from some other dogs. And, And that's really one of the big things. I think why dogs bolt to go investigate because we've already set up that pattern and we've taught that pattern of behavior to the dog. Oh, so you're saying that if you do it every time, then it's an expectation. But if you do it in a controlled way that it's okay to go with me to talk to some people or meet other dogs, but it's not an every time you see it occurrence. That's what kind of you're trying to put through. Yeah. And what you're saying is is you're going to follow me to what we're going to do. You know, so, I mean, we may walk over to the other dog and say hi. We may not, you know, and it, what it keeps is them wanting to look at you for the command and you're not set in a pattern of behavior that they go, every time I see a dog, I got to run over to say hi. Because the reward is, oh, we all do it. I mean, I'm guilty of it too, is when a puppy meets another dog, you're like, oh, good girl, you're being good. And you're saying, hey, it's a good girl to run to other dogs. But we all know, I mean, we can talk about, me and you talk about all the time as dog parks is, if you run into another big dog that doesn't be around dogs and isn't social, you're going to have a problem. So there's going to be some times you need that dog to learn to come off of going to another dog or another person to follow you. So, yeah, so what I'm saying is mix it up. You know, do it where you walk around the dog park instead of going in the dog park. Walk it where you walk around the baseball fields where kids are playing baseball instead of going up to every kid and saying hi. And and we all want to socialize our dogs. We all want to get them used to people and other dogs so they're friendly, but we don't want to overdo it. So that's the only behavior they know. What about, you know, you talk about socializing and behavior, a lot of, you know, especially you get Labradors and stuff, they can be so energetic and so enthusiastic. What about jumping up? That's a problem I see where you go to somebody's house and as soon as you walk in the door, the dog is just 
it's friendly. It's not being mean, but it's just jumping all over you. Right. And I always go with, you know, we never know. And, and we, we've, we've obviously as a society became really sensitive over the last couple of years of if somebody has a pre-existing condition or somebody has an ailment, we don't know. But I always go with the theory and I was thinking about like, if my grandmother came over to my house and I have one of our labs that weighs 85 pounds and she jumps up on her, it's not going to be good, you know? And so um, I always go with the theory of let's teach them behaviors that no matter who's around them, they're going to enjoy the dog. And really we're jumping up on people's starts is when they got a technical puppy, it jumps up on them and we pet them. And it's the, it's the here, come to me, jump up on me. I'm going to reward it. Like I just talked about is you're saying, good boy, you're coming to me and you're jumping on me. And it's convenient when they weigh eight pounds, it starts becoming an inconvenient when they weigh 25 pounds. It's really inconvenient when they weigh 85 pounds. So instead, like what I like to do with my labs, especially if they come up, I put them on a sit next to me and then I pet them when they sit. And then they're a good dog and praised when they're in the sit down position compared to jumping up on me. And what it does is as the dog gets older, they start going, hey, every time I run to mom and dad and sit next to them, I get pet compared to every time I jump up on them, I get pet. And now I'm getting older. Now I'm going to be corrected for it. And the corrections really you don't want to do out of something you taught them, which is really unfair to the dog. So bring them up to you. If it's a pointer, make them low next to you where they stand off our feet, pet them. And that becomes their reward. And that's ultimately what they'll do as they get older. And it definitely makes it more convenient and enjoyable for people to be around your dog. I mean, you're right to me, like, you never want to go to somebody's house where their dog's jumping up on you. You can't even get a word in. Or you're trying to eat dinner at a table and they're jumping up on you. Well, I, I don't know about you. I probably want to go back. <laughs> you want to be enjoyable. Yeah. For me, to be in that dinner guest, you know, and so, you know, I mean, but you you want them to be invited to the behavior, invited for the reward, invited to come up on you, you know, and and I and I'm sure I'm sounding harsh of like don't let your dog do all this like that, but like our dogs, like we, um, our dogs sleep, you know, with our daughters in bed, and like our I'll give you an example, our labs and our Malinois sleep with the girls, but they have to be invited up on the bed, so they'll actually come up, sit and stay at the end of the bed. And then the girls will say, all right, come up. And then that's the cue to the dog of, all right, I'm inviting you into my bed. I'm inviting you to come up with me to sit on my lap to watch TV. I mean, they can be dogs. They can be praised. They can be loving to you. But you want to make sure you're the one leading the command and inviting them in, not them just doing whatever they want to do all the time. Last thing I want to talk to you about, and those, that's, those are such great points, and I wish I had had that advice with a couple of my dogs when I was younger. But yeah. now we've had the weather. Winter is finally showing up. A lot of places we got snow on the ground. It's colder. How do we adjust? You know, we've got a, especially a new young dog, but maybe even an older dog in our house. What do we have to do to both protect them and maybe change their routine or habits to cope with winter? Yeah, I think it, I think one is it's regional depending on where you're at. You know, I think the big one for here in Colorado is ice awareness. You know, I mean, you you know, you watch the news and we get a three or four days of sixty degree weather like we can get in Colorado on ice, and your dog's out running on it, you got a problem. You know, so I think there's some awareness with that. There's also um, if you're going to be exercising your dog and doing a big hike, you know, you may need substitute some calories in there for them that night especially running in the snow where they're having to double their work ethic or work effort, excuse me, to, to push through that snow. So I think one is it's awareness of environment. And we always talk about wild animals while you're out too, you know, I mean, obviously in the snow, you can see deer and elk a long ways away, you know? And so it's a, you, you want to be aware of wildlife when you're out with your dog and, and, you know, make sure you have your, 
your e-collar or your leash on so you're not harassing wildlife because they're trying to survive the same way, you know. And so, and then also, you know, your calorie substitution for your dog and water intake. Just because it's cold doesn't mean your dog needs less water. I mean, in fact, they probably need more because they're having to work so much harder in the snow. And so, and I think that's one thing to pay attention to. I think the other thing to pay attention to as we go through winter into spring is typically we all do it. I mean, I'm guilty in the winter. We all put a little weight on our dogs and ourselves. Spring comes and we get excited to go for a hike. If your dog's carrying, you know, 10, 15 extra pounds, now's the time to start getting that weight cut down to get ready for spring activity if you're going to be out with your dog hiking. What about protecting them? Do their paws, are they okay yeah. out in the winter? Or? Yeah, and that depends on the breed. You know, like I always suggest, you know, dog boots. I, I like the rough wear boots. I think they're great for snow. You can put them on. Um, some breeds, like our setters, we have to go in and cut the hair out inside between their paws and our Britneys to prevent snowballs. So in there, so sometimes it's breed. Sometimes it's um, hair growth in there. You can trim it down to kind of help that. You can put boots on there. Um, some of the creams, you can do like mushers cream and some of those work. But I just like the boots. And um, the thing I always tell everybody is if you're going to buy boots for your dogs, make sure you buy a backup pair because it never ends. It never fails that you're going to lose one and need to replace one. And the other one, and um, it's still a funny thing and people laugh about it, but these goggles that they're getting into dogs with are really really a key thing for preventing eye injury and then the other one some breeds that we have that we deal with will have a lack of pigmentation around the eyes and actually have pink you know skin around the eyes and they'll cross over in the sun and yeah you can really burn the eyeball and the eyelids around there so there's some good goggles you can get that you can actually put a lens in there that prevents the sun from burning their eyes and um that's that's something that we haven't really talked a lot about as as bird dog owners or dog owners is you know, we're, we'll, we'll wear sunglasses to protect our eyes and not think of our dogs. But um, if anybody's ever gone to an eye specialist with a dog with an eye injury, it's not cheap. And it's a very, very specialized um, veterinary practice because the eye is so delicate. So I think protecting the eyes and the feet are important and the undercoat, um, trimming the hair so you don't get balls in the armpits and rub them raw in the armpits or other things you can do in the snow and the cold weather. Then we are way out of time, but if people want more information or get a hold of you, how do they do that? Yeah, they can reach us on Facebook at Hideaway Kennels or on our webpage at HideawayKennels.com. My friend, thank you. That was great information. We'll talk to you again in a couple weeks. Thank you, Terry. Anytime. Appreciate it. Thank you. You, you. you bet. Ben Garcia from Hideaway Kennels. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, the folks from Colorado Clays are going to tell us about the changes we've all been hearing about on Terry, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I wake up in the morning. So sad and so alone I wonder where you are Why that you are gone You once filled my days With smiles and happy times Alright, another bumper from the Loneliness and Love album by Wickstrom and Dobreth. You can uh, search your main streaming to get that. Of course, we're, we're kind of proud of it. There's four songs. If you want to listen to it, it'll only take you about 12 and a half minutes. Listen to it. Give us some feedback. If you like it, share it. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Clays, one of our favorite contributors, J.R. Pierce. Good morning, J.R. Good morning, Terry, and Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year to you. Well, Colorado Parks and Wildlife bought Colorado Clays. I saw the news announcement. So I imagine you're all shut down. There's no shootings, probably just trails where you go walking now, right? Yeah, not even close, Terry. 
Uh, everything is business as usual here. Uh, nobody's going to notice any difference. It's been a seamless transition, and we're really excited. Well, let's take people through what happened. Parks and Wildlife came in and bought the facility, and now it's under the umbrella of parks, but you guys that have been there are still running it. Is that right? Yeah, and that's right, Terry. And I think I'll take a minute here uh, just to kind of describe what we've been doing and what's coming up here. So Colorado Clays is, of course, has been for the last 25 years and will continue to be uh, Colorado's premier public access shooting facility, featuring, of course, the very finest in the rifle, pistol, trap, skeet, wobble trap, and sporting clay shooting opportunities. Now, Terry, also still in place, shotgun patterning areas, training traps for the beginners, uh, individual and group instruction available, concealed carry classes, leagues, tournaments, uh, still doing all of the kids' shooting opportunities for Boy Scouts, 4-H, high schools, colleges, and churches with that special pricing for those kids because we love uh, bringing the kids into the sport. And, of course, Terry, never forget that Colorado Clays is the number one venue for shooting events. And when I say shooting events, examples will be birthdays, uh, bachelor, bachelorette parties, gender reveal events. Those are really fun. Corporate outings, fundraisers, and just many more possibilities. And the reason Colorado Clays is the preferred destination is the fact that our facility and staff can handle any size group event, whether it's 30 people or 300, equally as well. And as you said, Terry, here's the great news for 2022. Uh, with the sale of the property to the state of Colorado, not only will we continue to run Colorado Clays as that number one voted shooting facility in the state that everyone has come to know, uh, we feel that our new partnership with the state will ultimately only enhance the experience of shooting at Colorado Clays. And, and Terry, the reason I say that is because Everyone that has been involved in this process has the same mission in mind. And that is the same as it's always been at Colorado Clays, to, to just provide the people of Colorado with a safe, friendly facility with a wide variety of shooting sports opportunities and to do it as a public access property with no memberships required so that every firearms enthusiast in Colorado can enjoy our sport anytime they want. And like I say, when you come to Colorado Clays, you're going to see the same great staff, friendly faces, enjoy the same great services, pricing, and events, and count on the same hours of operation we've been doing. So it's really going to be everything we have been and more, Terry, and we're really excited about it. Now, will I need a parks pass to get out there, or has that changed at all? No. Even though this is a state property, um, we are still running the property, and uh, the agreement is that we will run Colorado Quays as a public access uh, state parks pass, not required. And most of the personnel are still going to be there, so I'll see the same faces. Is that right? Absolutely. Our entire staff is still intact, Terry. Uh, everybody excited to do what we've been doing and the way we've been doing it for a long time. So uh, anybody coming out, you won't notice any difference. Uh, it's just a different landowner. It's really what it boils down to. Of course, we'll still have to deal with you. Well, you know, there's a, always a hitch in any uh, any contract. <laughs> yeah, you know you're a good friend. Um, you know, you talked about 
the patterning boards. I want to get off on that just for a minute because the turkey draw is coming up, and we didn't talk about it much today, but the deadline for getting the turkey drawn is very soon. So if you're thinking about turkey hunting and you want to do more than an over-the-counter license, go to the Parks and Wildlife site right now and check about that draw and get that done. But, boy, now is the time to be getting those shotguns and working on it because sometimes it takes some time. Yeah, and you're totally right, Terry. With the season coming up, people really need to be thinking ahead on that. One thing I have noticed is that uh, lots of new guns, lots of Christmas guns, uh, different ammo options, and we already have people coming out doing their diligence, patterning those guns, learning about their points of aim and impact. And as we always do, Terry, I mean, you can't spend a better 30 minutes or hour of time preparing for turkey season than a session on the Colorado Clays pattern board. There's just nothing that will make your hunt better, more productive, make you more confident in your equipment, and prepare you like uh, just a quick session over there. Well, you know, if, uh, speaking of new guns for Christmas, any shotgun. Now, obviously, you have pistol, rifle, you have the trap, the tra- all the all the clay, all the things you have there. But any new shotgun, the very first stop, no matter if you're a target shooter, if you're going waterfowl hunting, if you're going upland game hunting, you really should start with a new gun at that patterning board, shouldn't you? Absolutely, Terry. You know, and it's amazing how many people do not realize how far behind the ball they're putting themselves by not making the first shots out of that gun on that pattern board. And the new modern firearms all generally come with some degree of adjustability um, on their length of pull, you know, cast, and their um, just overall sight picture by making adjustments to the to the stock end of the gun, which ultimately ends up uh, affecting your point of impact. And a person really needs to have that information before you go out and start chasing targets or uh, games. So uh, definitely first stop. Well, another thing, this time of the year, you can really pattern that the firearm with the clothes you'll probably be wearing in the field. Absolutely, and all of that makes such a difference, Terry, in the way the gun fits you. Uh, Learn those things ahead of time, not opening morning, and and have it screw up your opportunity. So, yes, just so many things, and I'm sure we're going to be talking about a lot of those, Terry, but thank goodness I already have people with those new guns that uh, have heard us talk about that, have listened um, to our advice, and are coming out adjusting those guns, getting them on target, and uh, putting themselves ahead of the game. Now, when somebody comes out with a shotgun, let's stay with that for a minute, and you take them out and you pattern the gun, and now they know, I mean, they've got to kind of understand what they're going to do with it. So you've got to kind of guide them towards the right types of ammunition for what they're going to do. After you get a pattern, how much difference is there, say, in an upland game hunter, a turkey hunter, and a waterfall hunter to where you would take them next since you have all the disciplines on your facility? Well, and you know, Terry, so there is some degree of individuality on how people um, want a gun to pattern or shoot. So if it's somebody who is a lifelong trap shooter, they tend to like their guns to pattern higher than somebody, say, uh, shooting, um, you know, waterfowl or any of the birds. So those folks might want to take that new hunting gun and have a pattern similar to what they're used to. So some of it's individual. I always encourage new shooters to go out, let's get a good stance, a good gun mount, a good sight picture, and confirm that we're shooting where we're looking. 
Once that happens, then we move out onto the uh, one of our courses or ranges and uh, and do it skill appropriate. Some people that are more beginner, we might go to the training trap and just take and apply what we just learned to that nice straightaway target, get A plus B to equal C, and then move on in levels of skill increasing, adding angles and such, until we ultimately end up looking for presentations on our property that may represent the game they're hunting. So it's very individual on some things, and it's very predetermined on others. And, of course, we always help people make those decisions to end them up in the best condition they can be for their hunt. Now, do you have one where a clay hangs by a thread that stands still for me? Yeah, that's up in the Wickstrom area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now, and right for right now, you said your your ridiculously low pricing is going to stay the same. Terry, as everything stands, uh, yes, we are going to continue being extremely competitive on pricing. Uh, we want to make sure we offer the best opportunity, and that everybody can come out and enjoy our sport. So we're everything status quo going into 2022, and we're really proud of that. Okay, now I want to change things up on you, and when we come get done talking about this, I'll get all the contact information for Colorado Clays out there. But you in the last couple of years have developed an enthusiasm for ice fishing. Has this weather got you chawing at the bit? Yeah, you know, Terry, I was driving up uh, the highway the other day, and I saw some ice on those lakes. And, uh, you know, honestly, yes. You really sparked that enthusiasm, that uh, trip that I took with you, uh, watching someone that knew how to use the electronics, how to read them, uh, safe on the ice, had the correct equipment. Um, yeah, you had me sold on that, Terry, and I've got my auger out. I've got the new ice rod. I'm waiting for that call from you. Well, I'm waiting for a call from you. Okay, turn your phone on because, uh, yes, I am definitely ready to go. I feel like the ice is safe, which is really important to me. And well, it's uh, important to everybody. Yeah, yeah. So, so yes, um, we'll get that going. Well, I, w- I will say, and I've been harping on this all show, is that we're finally seeing some ice at the lower elevations. But, folks, because of the up-and-down weather, please, safety first. You saw me use a spud bar to check the ice when we went out. And right now, I, wouldn't, I would tell anybody going out, Jr. The number one tool you need is that spud bar because it really, you should be checking the ice almost every step. Yeah, and you know, Terry, when we went, I was very impressed. Uh, I have seen people run out and just jump on stuff. but uh, And I think we even had some stuff um, on one of your links that you went over that. But, yeah, that spud bar, uh, priceless. Before you step on one inch of ice, start chopping ahead of yourself. Um, definitely, definitely safety first. And uh, that's one tool that's on my hit list. All right. So, people, if you want to see how to use a spud bar, he was talking about if you go to my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, and go to North Michigan Reservoir, I actually do a clinic on that show on reading electronics and also on how to test early ice with a spud bar and how to visually look at the lake because that lake froze at different times in different parts that year and you could visually see differences then i use the spud bar to actually show you the safety of the ice and go through that there's a lot of pent-up demand i know jr and jr and i are in the same place but if you want to get out ice fishing right now safety has to be number one uh, if you take a drive up in the mountains and there's some trails and things just be careful because there's a lot of snow on the ice check it there once you've gone to a place you've checked it don't assume 
that it's still good ice with the weather and the water flows. There's water coming into our reservoirs. But we want you to get out there. And when we get JR out on the ice, we'll post on, on Facebook how bad I kick his butt. <laughs> well, you had some really good advice going there, Terry. We'll see what happens with that. All right. So, JR, just so to reiterate, Colorado Clays is open for business. People aren't going to see a difference. They're going to have the same people, the same pricing, the same facilities. Just the land is now owned by Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Give us all the contact information. All right, Terry. So definitely come see us. Uh, give us a call if you want, 303 303- Six five nine seven one one seven, or go to our website coloradoclays.com check it out, take the virtual tour the facility is the same but if you haven't seen it take a look at it and Terry, last thing from everyone at Colorado Clays to everyone in Colorado we hope you have a great uh, happy new year um, safe and productive 2022 alright, thank you my friend we'll talk to you again very soon thank you Terry but that's JR from Colorado Clays. I know him and Corey are excited about the, the you know, you're going to, anytime you get somebody that buys, there's always, there could be changes. But what they're most excited about is having the resource of Colorado Parks and Wildlife backing them up now. And Colorado Parks and Wildlife uh, has really made an, a tremendous push to get more safe, friendly shooting facilities throughout the state. And you're going to see more coming. I'm on one of the panels that gives out the money for the excise money that comes out. Um, I've done the fishing is fun. I've done the motorboat one. I used to used to do some of the shooting ones. They're taking this money that's outside of it. doesn't come out of general funds. It comes from the sale of gear, and they're investing that on resources. And as our outdoor enthusiasm enthusiast group grows in almost every aspect in Colorado since COVID hit, you're going to see more and more facilities needed so we can all be out there enjoying it. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to wrap up this week's edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, and I was going to do some housekeeping and clean things up, but I think I'll go right to Mr. Dan Jacobs if he's there. Are you there, Dan? I'm here, Coach. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, last week when you went, when I went off the air and you took your show, you were asking people about a theme song you needed. You have one for Sunday, one of one for Saturday. And I thought about having my group, Wickstrom and Dobreth, actually write one or maybe even adapt one of our hit songs like Count On Me and change the words. Well, you, have count on. you have hits so now, could, Terry. That's right. Well, we could count on Dan was going to say, but oh. then I was, I was kind of concerned about my career impact. Well, you know, the Dan Jacobs show could skyrocket you to the top. Top of the chart. I know. I don't, I, I'm getting to the point in my life where I don't know if I could stand that much fame. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what do you got? You know, we've got this coach's search going on, and I have one question. What if the new coach came in and said, I really like Drew Locke. I think I could do something with him. That's If you're making a list of impossible things that could never happen, that might be right at the top of the list. <laughs> Drew Locke stinks. There's no, there's no coach that's going to come in and go, hey, I think that Drew Locke's really something. Mr. Locke is terrible. Every coach in this league has an ego, and he has some arm talent, and they all think they can 
do something better with what's there than what's been done. How did you like Drew Locke, like uh, essentially taking a victory lap in a loss to end the season where he threw for like 164 yards and no touchdowns, and he overthrew the receiver, the the tight end, on the uh, uh, basically on his last play of the game with the game on the line. And then he goes out in and, and the press conference and was like, hey, I think I really went out there and showed the league I could be a starting quarterback. I was like, huh? What? Like, uh, the, the stones on this guy, Terry. Well, that's what it takes to play quarterback in the NFL. I guess. <laughs> All right, my friend. We'll, we'll talk about whether I should write a theme song for you, but uh, I'll get this thing closed up so you can start. I want half the royalties, though, if it, if it takes off. You can have every bit if we write a theme song for you. All right, it's only gonna It's only going to play in one place. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap things up so Dan can get there. We can get the station IDs in. Uh, join us every Saturday from 9 to 11 right here on 104.3 The Fan. Uh, follow us on our social media, Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Follow us on on uh, the uh, YouTube and follow our music social media at Wickstrom and Dobreth. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and Dan Jacobson Sports.